Hello and welcome everyone to this latest Hollywell Trust Conversations podcast. This week we're looking at the transport infrastructure of the northwest of Ireland and specifically at its deficiencies and how greater investment in rail might help to address the existing deficit. So joined as ever by Paul. Paul, how's the form? As good as ever. Happy days, happy days. So Paul, can you set the scene for us a wee bit? Yeah, thanks Gerard. Um, it's widely recognised that Derry and Donegal are not only marginalised by our geographic position on the periphery of the island of Ireland, but also that we are very badly served by the transport infrastructure. We're not alone in that. Uh, there are also complaints from Sligo, Fermanagh and elsewhere in the West expressing similar concerns. Now, after a long campaign, parts of the A6 road between Derry and Belfast have been upgraded though it's still not a dual carriageway between Dungiven and Castle Dawson, as we all know who drive along here. Um, it was back in the 1960s that were government plans to provide a motorway link from Belfast today, which has still not happened and probably now never will. Okay, um, so we know the crack with the A6 and the parts that are done are really, really good. I've been on it a few times, but the other main road, the A5, remains a concern, Paul, especially as anyone travelling to Dublin from the northwest, I don't know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, much of the immediate concern now is about the A5 road between Derry and Dublin. In particular, the very high number of road accidents and deaths along the road. Now, it's been described as the most dangerous road in Ireland, with 47 people killed in road accidents since plans were announced in 2007 to, to significantly upgrade it. Now, that's just one element of the transport infrastructure weakness in our region. Okay, so the obvious one then, Paul, would be rail, the other one. Um, but there seems to be some good news to address the challenge of improving the rail infrastructure throughout the, the island, and particularly in the northwest. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The, the other big transport infrastructure weakness can be seen clearly from a map looking at the rail lines across the island of Ireland. Derry is at the end of the line, despite at one point in the city's history having four stations and lines emerging out from the city. Now, neighbouring towns to the west and the south, such as Letterkenny, Strabane and Oma, no longer have any rail connectivity. But there were plans recently announced by the two administrations of the Republic and Northern Ireland that indicate a possible partial reversal of past decisions that have closed rail lines. Now, the All-Ireland Rail Review was launched in 2021 by the South's Transport Minister, who is also the Green Party leader, Eamon Ryan, along with the then Northern Ireland Infrastructure Minister, Nicola Mallon. The results of that review were published last month. Now, for Derry, the proposals include one of great significance. This would be an additional rail connection to Belfast, achieved by reopening the rail link through Portadown, with the route travelling via Straban, Omer, Portadown, and then through Lisbon into Belfast. Passengers could also connect onto Dublin via Portadown, with the Belfast to Dublin route potentially being upgraded for faster journey times. Okay, so Paul, it's great for the Northwest, or it's potentially great for the Northwest, but what are the other elements of the plan? This is an all-island plan, and how much is it likely to cost? Yeah, uh, other elements of the plan include a spur from the Derry to Portadown, Portadown line that uh, would head into Letterkenny, and the possibility of a new rail connection between Derry and Lima Valley. And there will be further work undertaken into cross-Dublin mainline connectivity, which would potentially lead to a Belfast to Cork service without the need to divert to local services between the two major Dublin stations. 
Now, a core element of the plan is the electrification of mainland rail services across the island as part of the strategy to decarbonise our economy and transport system. But none of this is cheap. The entire programme outlined is costed at around 32 billion euro or 27 billion pounds. And before anyone gets too excited, even after or maybe if there is potential agreement behind it, the plan would take at least a quarter of a century to deliver. And there is not even unanimous support within government in the Republic behind it, nor, of course, is there any sort of government in order to, to either object or to endorse it. OK, so, Paul, you've spoken to Steve Bradley of the, and to the West Lobby Group, who are enthusiastic supporters of the proposals, though with some reservations. Um, so let's listen to what Steve had to say. So, Steve, thanks very much for doing this. Now, you've had, obviously, a detailed look at the All-Ireland Rail Review. What's what's your reaction to it on behalf of Into the West? So, from Into the West's perspective, if we start looking at, at the things which we were looking for from this review, so as an organisation, we've got seven reopenings which we're campaigning for, and we chopped those up into three different priority categories. So our top priority category, we, there's two reopenings in there, and the good news is they're both featured within the All-Ireland Rail Review. So that's a, that's a positive start to begin with. Those two projects were to reopen Derry to Porter Down, which would then provide both a second route to get to Belfast from Derry, and also a way to get between the Northwest and Dublin. So the good news is they're in there. There are a couple of caveats, which we'll come on to in a minute, um, which means we're not entirely happy with what's in there on those. But broadly speaking, good news, our two top priorities are in there. Then our second uh, level priorities, a priority B, there's two projects there as well. One is to reopen and restore Real to Limavady, and that's in there too, so that's good news. And then the second B level priority is to uh, restore Real to, or to give Real to the three airports across Northern Ireland, including the city of Derry. That's kind of half in there. Um, they've said they're going to connect Belfast International to the Real Network. They said they're going to improve connectivity for Belfast City. They've been silent about City of Derry Airport, and that's because there's a separate study going on um, into the possibility of at least one new station to the east of Derry, and that could be at City of Derry Airport. So the jury's still out on that one, but broadly speaking, we've got about one and a half of our two B-level priority requests as well. So, so far, so good. That's the things which are in there. The things which are not in there are the three C-priority requests we have. And they're to restore rail from Letterkenny down through Donegal to Sligo, which would then create a ribbon of rail right up from the west, uh, along the west of the of Ireland, <clears throat> excuse me, from Limerick through Galway, Sligo, Letterkenny, up to Derry. That's been rejected. Secondly, they've rejected the idea of restoring rail to Fermanagh. Uh, we propose it should be a connection from Oma down to Enniskillen, and then ideally also on from Enniskillen to Sligo. They've rejected that. And what's really worrying within that is that there's if everything in this review is implemented, at the moment there's five counties on the island that have no rail. If they get everything they want in this review, that will leave just one county without rail, and that will be Fermanagh. And we think that's just completely unacceptable. It would almost be better to leave two counties or three without rail rather than just one. So it's a real shame that they've rejected that, that sort of C-level priority for ourselves. And then finally, our last of our seven reopening proposals is to restore uh, Cookstown and Mid-Ulster to the rail network. Now, to, to be fair to the review, we didn't request that in our submission, 
that was made what is now almost two years ago, because it's something as an organization we've only adopted more recently. But the argument is strong, Cookstown, and that area is fast growing. It exceeds the 10,000 minimum population that the review said you should be you should be able to get a, a railway station in your area. And most importantly, the review rejected restoring rail to Cookstown, but it did so by looking at the idea of taking rail over the Sperrins. That makes no sense. It's nine and a half miles between Dungannon and Cookstown. So once you have rail back in Dungannon, which they propose to do by reopening Dirty Porter Down, you can then bring it back up to Cookstown. So that was a long, and I apologize for the length of that, Paul, that was a long way of breaking down that what we've got from this review is some of the things we did want, including our top priorities, some of the things which we want that we haven't got. So overall, um, it's it, it's broadly a good set of packages, and we're pleased that some of our bigger asks are in there. We're concerned that some of the other lower priority asks aren't in there. And even with the two top priorities, just to finish up on this, we have two real concerns. Firstly, our reading of the review is that of the seven cities on the island, the, the, this report looks at uh, basically Dublin, Cork, Galway, Limerick, and Waterford in the south, and Derry and Belfast in the north as being the core cities on the island. Our understanding, looking at this review, is that only one of those cities will not have what is being considered high-speed rail. That's 200 kilometers an hour or 160, or 125 miles an hour. And so guess what? Surprise, surprise, it would be Derry. So we've gone back and asked for clarification on that because it's not 100% clear, but that's what seems to be happening. And it would be unacceptable if, if they keep talking about treating the seven core cities uh, if only one of them was to be left with a lower level of service than all the others. And then finally, it seems from the review uh, that it's unclear how Letterkenny will be connected to the rail network. So will you go through Derry to get to Letterkenny? Uh, and the big question with that is, if somebody is travelling between the two largest towns in the northwest, that's Derry and Letterkenny, will they have to change train? It's only 21 miles. We think it just wouldn't work if you have to change trains somewhere to do that. It should be a direct service, so we're looking for clarification on that. So broadly, uh, Good news overall, but some real concerns, some things we're seeking clarification on, and some things we're certainly not happy with having been excluded. And what do you feel overall the proposals would mean for Derry and the Northwest if they were implemented? It would certainly change quite dramatically rail for our city. At the moment, we're, we have a terminus station. We're at the end of the line. Uh, you know, every, People will be aware that Derry used to be really at, at the hub of a thriving uh, transport and rail network where you had four stations and four lines snaking out in every direction. Those days are gone and we have you know a, a fairly rudimentary service up and down the road to Belfast. If we get what's in this report, we will have rail going into three directions, not just one. So it will also go south through Strabane to Rome and on towards Dublin. And it will also go west into Donegal, which is obviously great news for Donegal and especially the part of the county which is Derry's hinterland around Letterkenny. And our hope would be that you would have in, an intermediate stop or two between Derry Letterkenny, maybe Newton Cunningham or Manor Cunningham, somewhere like that. So it's good news from a Derry perspective, those things, notwithstanding the, the issues I raised about the speed of the line and also how Derry and Letterkenny will be connected. But looking at it narrowly from a Derry point of view, it's good news. And also I would include within that the idea of restoring rail to Limavady, because Limavady is increasingly within Derry's orbit. Uh, you know, if you go back during the Troubles, it probably looked a bit more towards Coleraine. 
I, I get a sense, and, and for people I know who live there, that's changing a lot. And they're looking much more towards Derry as being the regional capital. So to get Lima Valley back on the rail network would really help Derry as well. So good news in that we'd no longer be the end of the line. We can start to build up a commuter rail network. So rail can become a really viable option for getting in and out of our city. Whereas at the moment, it's really just a way to get, you know, longer distance journeys up to Coleraine, Derry, or Belfast and beyond. Now, before we get too excited, there are obviously challenges involved, the first of which is the total package is around 32 billion euro. Secondly, we're talking about a 25 year old process, and we've already had Taoiseach Leo Varadkar indicate that road transport infrastructure may be more of a priority for him and Fina Gale than rail investment. And of course, we've got a problem that Northern Ireland doesn't have a government. So all those sound quite negative, don't they, Steve? Yeah, I mean, the, the comments from the from the Taoiseach, I thought were very disappointing. Um, I mean, it, it beggars belief, you know, the political optics are not good, let alone anything else. To look at the first major, the only major review, all island, that's been taken on rail, and for the head of the country's response in the South to be, Oh look, that tells me we need more road. Um, it doesn't make any sense. It's 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 just it's bad manners, I would say, in terms of the politics of it. It's bad optics, and it also feeds into uh, you know, the, the Taoiseach's polit- uh, particular party, Fine Gael. Their view they would be considered much more roads leaning than perhaps some of the other parties would be. So that's difficult. Uh, that that the current government in the south will be in place until uh, early twenty twenty five. And it can cause problems and it can slow down and it can stymie the development of the recommendations in this report. And effectively, you know, as you said, it's a 25 to 30 year project. But if you lose a year and a half of that right at the very start, then things start to get uh, more complicated. Costs start to rise and everything gets put on the long finger. Uh, so that that that's not good news for the Taoiseach to be so clear that his priorities are elsewhere uh, and are on roads. Despite the climate commitments we have in the, in the Republic, despite the fact that whilst almost every other sector is reducing its emissions in the South, transport is still growing. Um, it's bad news from that point of view. Then there's the broader challenge, as you mentioned, Paul, whereby we have nobody in the North to make big decisions on this stuff. Um, it's a big pot of money. <clears throat> as you mentioned, it, it, it's, uh, it amounts to about 30 billion over um, 25 years. Um, but the North's share of that is about a quarter, and that's so that's about, say, roughly seven and a half billion. And if you break that down over 25 to 30 years, you're talking about 250 million a year. Now, that's still a lot of money, but it's a much more manageable and digestible sum of money when you look at it as being 20, 250 million a year. And, you know, we spend more than that on, on, on some infrastructure projects. You know, that, that much has been spent almost on creating a train station in Belfast, Grand Central Station. You know, we spent similar sums of money on road projects at the A6 uh, and things like that. So it's a not insurmountable amount of money, but it is still a big sum for somewhere like Northern Ireland. Uh, the good news is we would argue that there's other places that can help fund these projects. Firstly, there's London. Uh, Westminster did its own review of transport uh, in the UK about two years ago. It, it was called the Union Connectivity Review. Now, your listeners will probably be most familiar with it because of the idea, the ill-fated idea of a bridge to Scotland. And that report actually rubbished that idea. It said it wasn't going to happen. So it was, it, was, it was quite credible from that point of view. 
But that report also said that Northern Ireland is poorly served in rail. It said that Northern Ireland's airports should be connected to rail. It specifically highlighted the northwest of Northern Ireland, so Derry, as uh, needing more trains, better trains and faster trains. And it's a point out Enniskillen has been an area that really should have rail given its tourism uh, offering at the moment and its potential. The good news is London has some funds available as part of that union connectivity review to help deliver the bits within it. And we know, for example, that Transit is already speaking to Westminster, despite the absence of a government at Stormont, they're already speaking to Westminster about delivering some aspects of that around, for example, connecting up the airports. So there's potentially some money coming from London. We would also argue that there should and there hopefully will be some money from the Republic. Uh, we know that the Republic is making a sizable contribution towards the A5 road scheme. And that's being done because the only credible way to connect the north of Donegal to Dublin by road is to come through Northern Ireland. And it's the same argument for rail. The only way you're going to get Donegal's main population centre in Letterkenny connected down to Dublin is to come through Tyrone. So we would say that just as they're willing to fund the A5, which is the right thing to do, they should also be willing to fund uh, the Derry Portadown rail uh, crossing uh, as well. Um, and on top of that, the Republic can tap EU funding. Donegal uh, is part of the northern and western region of the Republic, and it was downgraded three years ago to now no longer being considered a developed region. And that's embarrassing for the Republic. It's the first time in 20 years that any part of Southern Ireland has been considered to not be a developed nation. This is no, you know, the Republic is no longer considered a developed nation as a whole by the EU. The plus point is that that opens up funding opportunities for structural funds, for more money for infrastructure. And again, there's an argument to be made that, for example, Letterkenny to Derry rail connectivity and the rail connectivity between Derry and Portadown, which would help get Donegal, part of this undeveloped region within the Republic, help get it connected to the main economic driver of, of Dublin. Um, so we would argue that the Republic should and hopefully will put some funding in. And there's also an opportunity for the EU to help to some extent, especially with the cross-border elements to it. So yes, it's a lot of money. Yes, we're hampered by the absence of a government in Stormont. That's the reality. We just have to get on with it. Uh, we hope the civil servants will take this forward if needs be. I mean, I I, I won't go in detail, but I'm concerned by their their, their thirst to do an awful lot um, for the Northwest. I think the reason why Derry has been left out of the 200 kilometre an hour, um, as the only city left out of the 200 kilometre an hour proposals, is because... Uh, of the civil servants and the absence of a storming government it, uh, pushing the case for Derry. Uh, but, you know, if that's who we have to deal with, then so be it. And we will we will campaign and we will work directly with civil servants to push that forward. Um, so we'll take it as it is. We're hopeful that there are different pots of money, whether it be London, Brussels and Dublin, that can come to the aid. There will be some money uh, that Stormont can, can dedicate to it. As I mentioned, it's only about £250 million a year if you break it down over the 25 to 30 year time span. That's a lot of money, but it's not insurmountable. Uh, money is obviously important, but we would say political will and the desire to see this stuff done is actually the bigger hurdle to bring it into happening. Okay, and you've also spoken to another transport expert, Paul. Yeah, I, I spoke to uh, Wesley Johnston, who's recognised as perhaps the most knowledgeable commentator on our road system outside of government. I asked him first what we could learn from the overspends on the road construction programme in terms of the likely actual cost of such an ambitious programme of work on our rail system. 
The All Ireland Rail Review, if we look at the total uh, expenditure that's proposed, is around 30 billion euro, um, which comes at around uh, 8 billion or so in terms of uh, the UK or Northern Ireland uh, contribution towards it. How does this compare with the the various road programmes that have been put on hold or been considered? Mm-hmm. So, uh, spending £7 billion pounds over the course of 25 years would be it would be a similar level of funding that would have been given to roads in Northern Ireland, maybe at the peak of our road building era, uh, which would have been sort of the 1960s, but then again around the millennium. Uh, so you, the, the most expensive road scheme we have ever considered is the A5 scheme, which has been running now for 18 years, although nothing's actually been built. And, and, and just has- to interrupt, a lot of people get confused with the numbers. So the A5 is the basically the Northern Ireland end of the Derry to Dublin direct route going via Straban and Omer. So, yeah. Exactly, yes. And there's plans to upgrade that to dual carriageway. Um, and the total estimated cost of that whole section of road, which is a, a bit over 80 kilometres, is 1.6 billion. So... And and we should point out that that 1.6 billion doesn't actually exist. We don't have enough money to build all of it at the minute, which is which is why we're talking to the folks in Dublin a bit at the minute. Um. So yes. Yeah, so it's a very large sum of money. I mean, it's a it's a sum of money that that could be afforded, but you would have to either reduce spending on something else, uh, something else quite substantial, or increase taxation to pay for that. And if we remember about the the A6, which is the Derry to Belfast road, which has been a chunk of that, has just been upgraded. What was the cost for that? Yes. So the uh, the A6, uh, the phase that we've just completed, was uh, about two hundred million pounds. Uh, the final figure isn't exactly in, but uh, yeah, I mean, two hundred, two hundred fifty million, something around that figure, with a possible further two hundred million pounds if it ever gets extended to. Uh, to Campsie around the north of the waterside. So much much smaller scheme in terms of total cost than the A5, but still an expensive scheme. And and just to give us a sense of how badly capital schemes go wrong, I mean, what are we expecting to be the the outturn on the the, the A6, the, the Derry Belfast Road, compared with the ex- uh, intended expenditure? Yeah, the, a- the A6 scheme will probably end up being... Uh, you know, probably more than ten million pounds over budget, mainly as a result of cost increases as the scheme went ahead. I mean, you may remember it coincided with COVID; that was part of it. But as well as that, there's been steep rises in you know the price of concrete aggregates, all that sort of thing in the interim. Uh, there's been problems getting materials because of supply chain crisis, the extra cost of shipping, that sort of thing. Most road schemes end up going over budget, not usually quite as much as the A6 has, but but yes, they do. And what can we learn from that in terms of the projected cost of the, the, the rail upgrades? I mean, well, really, new rail lines. I mean, are the figures that have been quoted, do you think, realistic? I mean, to, to be fair to the, the people producing, the Arab people who actually produced this uh, document, they are doing very high level estimates. Once you get down to the nitty gritty of working out a route and thinking about you know where you would need tunnels, where you need embankments, you'd be able to do a more accurate cost. So they are back of the envelope costs. Generally, what I find in large infrastructure projects is that the initial estimate is usually substantially below what it turns out being. Uh, when we initially proposed the A5 dual carriageway, for example, 
the first thought was that it might be around 400 million pounds. When they actually got down to detailed design, it was more like 800 million. Now it's doubled again. And you also tend to find that construction projects, the rate of inflation with the cost of a construction projects is usually higher than the rate of inflation for the economy as a whole, which means that the costs of infrastructure tend to go up at a higher rate than the the actual rate of inflation in the country as a whole does. Now, you are recognised as an expert on roads. So what does that mean in terms of your own analysis of whether this is justified compared with the alternative of spending extra money on roads? Yes, I mean, it, 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 it really depends on how you analyse it. You know, economically, the report suggests that reopening all these railways, the island taken as a whole, the economic case is about break even. So in other words, you'll invest all this money in the railway network the total amount of benefit you'll get to the economy is around about the same as the cost. That means in pure cost terms alone, it's not worth doing. However, it, it, it to be fair, that's not the only consideration. We know that rail is being investigated because of um, the need to decarbonize transport, for example. So that's another consideration. And the economic case doesn't really do justice to that, I think. So that really is a question I think that the politicians will need to answer. I mean, we engineers can give the, you know, the cost benefit analysis, they can give the engineering assessment of the thing, but there are bigger considerations which we can't really consider at the minute without an executive. Uh, you know, that this will have to be a decision that comes from elected representatives rather than the, rather than civil servants. Do you have any thoughts about the the level of use? Say of the Derry to Dublin rail line compared with the upgraded A5 Derry to Dublin road? Yes. So we know from the, the reports that were done at the time of the planning into the A5 project showed that the majority of traffic on the A5 is local in nature. It's not traveling the entire distance. The number of people traveling the whole way from Derry to the border at Ochnacloy and onwards is a small percentage of the total people on the road. So the public inquiry into the A5 concluded that replacing the road with a railway line would be unlikely to have much of an impact on traffic for that reason. I think what it's more likely to do is maybe increase the number of people travelling between Derry and Dublin as a whole by sort of creating a, a faster, more convenient way of getting there other than using the road. So I think the existing road will probably remain about as busy as it is, but you may find more people traveling that long distance using rail if it was provided. Uh, one of the concerns I've always had about the proposal to upgrade the A5 to the to the size and quality that has been proposed is actually about whether that is the preferred route for lots of drivers to go down to Dublin or whether actually the increased uh, quality of the A6 to Belfast means that a lot more drivers are going via Belfast to go down to Dublin. Do we have any evidence of what has happened as a result of the, the, the new stretch of the A6 opening up? Yeah, it's a little bit early to tell that, I think, because you need to get annual figures, which which DFI only collect annually. And we've only had this this new jail carriageway fully open for a few months now. What one thing that it's we know that it's had an effect on making Belfast International Airport more accessible to Derry, which, uh, you know, it's 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 less than an hour down the road now, which can have an impact on the city of Derry Airport. Um, Travelling to Dublin via Belfast is becoming more and more viable all the time. I think the slow bit on that journey has to be getting through Belfast, however, because to do that, you either have to cut down through Nuts Corner past Moira, which is a, a bit of a pain, or go 
go right into Belfast and down the West Link, which depending on where you, when you hit it, isn't a great time to do it either. If you were living in uh, South Tyrone now, you know, of course, we have the dual carriageway all the way to Ballygawley. So getting from there across and on down to Dublin is, is probably even more of an option than it would be in the Northwest. Yeah, well, that was that was Wesley. Very useful, I thought. Uh, but before we sign off from the podcast, Gerard, I think it's worth making a couple of additional comments for context. The initial consultation had a stronger response from the north than from the south, despite our significantly lower population. The very high engagement rate in the northwest indicates how important these transport concerns are for the city and region. And we need to also reflect on the broader aspirations of the plan. These include addressing rail road congestion, air pollution and the need to decarbonise our transport system, but also the desire in the South to spread housing demand as a result of improved transport connectivity. Okay, so it's good to see that there's a bit of a link between some of the episodes that we've done here around climate change and transport and infrastructure and everything else. So thank you, Paul. Thanks for carrying out that work and the interviews with Wesley and Steve, and thanks to them for their contributions. So there's a really important debate, uh, even if it sounds as if it's one that will continue for many years into the future. Um, so just a reminder to everybody that you can get past Hollywood Trust Conversation podcasts uh, through our website or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks as always to the Northern Ireland Community Relations Council for supporting these conversations. <laughs>